everyone, welcome to another episode of SumoCast. You are listening to Laura Young and co-host Rebecca Sweetmore. Hi. This time around, we're going to be chatting to some of the LGBTQ plus community within Sumo Digital about their experiences in game dev. We've got quite a full house today, so without further ado, would you like to introduce yourselves? Hey, I'm Blaze. I'm a senior designer at the Chinese Room, and I'm also part of Diversity Focus Group. And as a community champion there, I'm focusing on LGBTQ plus community at Sumo. I'm Mike Welsh. Uh, most Sheffield know me already as I've been at Sumo for nearly 14 years now, which is quite a scary number. Uh, I'm a lead programmer from multiple studios here. Uh, I'm also uh, a gay man who's been li- happily living with his partner and fiancé now for about 10 years. Most people at Sumo probably don't know that. I don't tend to talk to about myself uh, very much at work. And hello, <laughs> I'm Mark. Mark Hall. Uh, I'm also senior designer at the Sumo Sheffield. But yeah, I'm also a gay man. Uh, and yeah, I'm. I think I'm also part of the diversity group at Sumo. You think you're part of it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I only I only joined recently, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm a, I'm a veteran member. Hi, I'm Pera. I'm a junior designer at Sumo Lamington. I've been there for a year now. Uh, I'm also a member of the diversity focus group and a diversity champion for the LGBTQ plus community. As you all know, we've just come to the end of Pride Month um, and we had a really awesome internal event recently um, that we streamed to all of our team members, all our different studios, and we had some really awesome guests there as well. Um, How did you guys find the event? Did you enjoy it? Blaze, you were chairing one of the panels, which is really exciting. How was that experience? Oh, yeah. Well, it was definitely, you know, stressful preparing all of that, you know, looking for guests and then and chairing. And, and obviously, Pira was in the panel too. So, yeah, having all that organized with a threat of doing it, you know, digitally over internet from, you know, five different sources. Yeah, definitely. There is there's stress involved. But yeah, super exciting at the same time. You know, I think I think it went really well and I thought we got all super positive feedback. So yeah. Bro, yeah, it it was really it was really good to to watch. And because we had external speakers as well, it was it was really interesting to get that outside perspective, I think. I was I was impressed with the uh, the wide array of speakers we had as well. It was really interesting to hear everyone's perspectives. It included Robin Gray from Gaming Magazine, Dom Shaw from Yuki. Liam Price from Outmaking Games, and last but not least, Dan Bernardo from Playtra Games. Is it something that any of you have taken part in before? Like any kind of panel discussions or talks or anything of, of this nature? That was my first time being on a panel. I was terrified, but it was really fun <laughs> in the end. I enjoyed it. You didn't come across as terrified, so you felt good. <laughs> it was my first time chairing or actually joining panel at any position too, so yeah. Definitely. Oh wow! A lot of a lot of first time stress. <laughs> yeah. I also I also don't think we could tell. It was like, it seemed really well like organized and put together. Yeah. Really impressive. Yeah. Good. Good. That was the plan. <laughs> and yeah, you know, getting external people to talk, uh, especially that yeah, gaming magazine people don't know about it. Obviously, they're not queer gamers. They why would they really? But it's also very fresh. And outmaking games that Liam was representing, it's also quite fresh. It was started end of last year. Uh, so all those initiatives kind of coming together now, uh, you know, formalizing different groups. But yeah, it's, it's good to know that they're happening, right? 
Yeah, and it was. I think it was really good to just hear from someone who's really so like on the ball and clued up about like representation in gaming. Like he kind of, he just he listed off so many like games that were coming out, and it was it was just really good to hear from him particularly. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, listening to the panel, uh, it made me spend so much time thinking about things and actually wanting to do more for the company, really, because the the company is actually reaching out w- with these initiatives to actually push it forward, which is great. I guess that's why one of the reasons that it's so important for not just for Sumo, for, but for all companies to have these sort of events internally to try and spread the message and educate people and get more people involved. Um, so it's good. It's good that you found it useful. How do we kind of keep that momentum up then throughout the year? So obviously Pride Month is awesome and it's it's a great kind of chance to celebrate the community. But how do we keep that going um, throughout throughout the year? Does it mean more events, more awareness, more education sessions? It's difficult because, most, you know, we're going to work from homes yeah. for foreseeable future. Yeah. Uh, it's harder to organize something. But, yeah, we're definitely still thinking of what we could do. You know, there are days throughout the year that do celebrate something, how we can, how we can acknowledge them, things like that. And yeah, keep keep working on, you know, also like policies, uh, content, like what games we're doing, how we talk about that, like steering all that discussions, really. Yeah. So one of the things that we did quite early on um, in the year was get a list together of the visibility days and uh, events like that. So I'm hoping that we can do similar things on those days that are more specialized with the information they give out and the discussion available as well. So I'm hoping that that will keep the momentum up throughout the year a bit as well. I think one of the best ways to keep up momentum, I mean, obviously it, it takes a lot of time to make decisions like this, but I think one of the best ways is to make queer games. Because I think people, developers, even if they aren't part of the community, will naturally, um, you know, be inquisitive and want to f- want to learn more about what they're spending years making. That's a good so point. I think it's naturally... UKIE uh, information that's been pushed forward was very interesting because it showed how much of a uh, LGBT community there was inside the games industry. It was so surprisingly high. I think it was twenty one percent were reported as not heterosexual. Yeah, which yeah, it was like which is astonishing. Times the amount, it's it? it's absolutely brilliant, uh, and it it does mean that we should try to at least reach out and support these people, even if we're not pushing immediate events forward. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's a really good point. Actually, you mentioned support, so it's not just um, like raising awareness, but it is actually making sure that there's a safe environment for people that are within the community to to be confident in who they are and and yeah, I, I guess encourage it that way. I think it's interesting how a lot of the these kind of events that we ha- hold are usually attended by people who are already quite clued up on the subject so i think it's it'll be it'll be really interesting i think for all all companies really to kind of really promote this idea of like allyship so it's not so like um focused in on just people who are already you know part of the community like these events that we have i think that's a really good way forward another approach which is difficult this year unfortunately is when the company as well out reaches out to uh, general events like um, uh, EGX and things like that when we have stands, having a bit more of an LGBT representation there as well to encourage certainly during recruitment to, to help show that we're an yeah, open company. Absolutely. 
you know, no matter how much open and inclusive we are internally, then, you know, what we're doing externally is also super important. Yeah, we need to have keep that image outside too. You know, that will also attract more great people, you know, that maybe wouldn't consider it otherwise. You mentioned the um, the Yuki census as well. Um, one of the things that was mentioned on the panel was surrounding mental health um, and how those in the LGBTQ plus community, they have, they've reported a lot higher kind of percentage cases of having anxiety and depression, which Blaze was something you mentioned on, on the on the panel what what do you what do you think of that like is that a surprising number it was something like 50 percent of of um non-binary folks or, or people that are bisexual yeah it's even higher for non-binary folks, yeah. binary folks like me but uh it's not surprising at all like you know if you look at research that is done over lgbtq plus community like general population like that's the numbers you're getting really you know, during like all the stress, homophobia, like not feeling like you part of that place you're in, uh, you know, previous traumas coming up and from this, like th- this is what you get really. This is really us that much we really still have to do, you know. I think it's important to stress that like that, that um, mental health issue is not necessarily derived from work, but I do think... Um, work can be i think there was a lot lot of talk about making sure that your work is a really safe space because it kind of like eliminates that that side of your life because it is a huge part of your life and i think um making sure that you know kind of promoting this idea of uh, inclusivity and like safe a safe yeah for years i've really not spoken about my home life at all at work uh, as most people speak really openly. Now, it's not a particular problem with our workplace. It's more of a, a social issue uh, in general rather than something specific, even to the games industry. Um, but it's, it's something we, as people become more open about these things, it, it will help other people. Absolutely. Have you noticed that attitudes have changed over the years, Mike, since you've been in the games industry a, a little while? I would say probably not, but on it, it's more of a positive thing, to be honest, because That's everybody's always felt reasonably open in the games industry. I've never felt particularly... Um, it's never felt as though anybody's homophobic or anything along those lines. Any occurrences of that have been ever so rare. It's, it's more that the world in general has changed a bit more than the games industry. I think the games industry has always been a moderately safe place and perhaps that is why it does attract more people um of uh, from the kind of lgbt areas what's everybody else's experience been like um i mean for me it was interesting because i jo- when i joined the industry i wasn't out so i kind of i feel like i mean i've been at sumo seven years now and i've kind of become a incredibly different person since i joined in a good way like not in a bad way um i think being again it might just be that the teams i've worked with i might be incredibly lucky i'm not um but i think um i've never felt um that i didn't i could all i particularly since i came out and kind of grown more and more confident i've never felt like i couldn't be me i've always like i mean i've i've risen to kind of a senior position now and i i i 
I think nobody's ever judged me or uh, kind of not listened to me because of my sexuality. Like, and I'm I'm quite open about it at work to people. So, but as I said, I I I I do recognise that not everybody has the same story. Like, I, I think it's still an issue that needs to be tackled in the industry. Yeah, I guess that's where the where again the support comes in and how how it's important to have these conversations and create that support network for people that have had bad experiences because there are there are a lot of people that have had negative experiences and it's it's kind of lifting those people up and and helping them out of it for me anyway I've I've been quite in a lot of the quite a similar group of people the entire time I've been at Sumo and like even from the get-go um there was quite a quite a few very open openly kind of queer people on the team so I think naturally that's kind of almost not in not in the LBP's team's DNA, but it, it it's always felt like everyone's been accepting, and that did help me in a way. Even when I joined uh, seven years ago, to kind of come out and be okay with being out. I've been you know in this industry over three years now, uh, which is not that long, and this is my fourth job. And yeah, I was always out as a you know gay man that recently came out as a non-binary. You know when I came to terms with, with, with myself uh, and I think you know first two studios they were okay like but there was no and there were queer people openly and we, we were chatting but there was no like this sort of support coming from the management like it didn't feel that inclusive and then when I was at EA at Criterion and, and after that at TCR that is a completely different story you know that's a big difference between a studios that just are not homophobic to studios that are inclusive and open and supportive. Uh, so I, yeah, there's definitely a huge difference there. What does that support look like then? Um, you mentioned there's a difference between just not being a homophobic studio and then being supportive. Like what, what is the difference? Like, is it even tangible or is it just, just people's attitudes and I guess the level of support you it's receive. It's both, really. It's people attitudes, you know, how open they are talking between themselves, you know, about those yeah. things. How how open can people say, oh, I have a boyfriend, you know, or I have a girlfriend or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and also, like, little things, like, you know, at, at the front of TCR office, uh, there is a rainbow flag. You know, we're not, we're not seeing yeah. it these days. Uh, not going there anymore, but... When you're coming to our interviews, that's the first thing you see. Yeah. You know, yeah. this is such a big kick of just saying, yeah, this is super uh, inclusive space. If we if they have a flag on the front, mm. uh, you know, and we are a new studio already asking, we're going to have, um, you know, the, the, the new flag, the, the progress flag, with the, which is also focusing on people of color and trans people, you know, highlighting them. So, yeah, that's something like that, you know, little things, organizing events celebrating pride month uh you know that's one the reason why we did the panel and everything we we sent a you know i think consistent message of sumo is is open inclusive and, and supportive you know yeah definitely like having messages of support having having it talked about makes a big difference for me i mean previous places that i've worked it just kind of didn't really get mentioned people didn't really talk about pride month that much um like I never had a problem, you know, if I talked about a boyfriend or talked about a girlfriend. There wasn't there wasn't any sort of hostility or anything. There was sometimes a moment 
a, like a, a pause, a moment of confusion while they worked out what was going on. Um, particularly if the two were, ma- were mentioned in rapid succession. Because um, <laughs> um, I'm Pan and I'm also Polly, so I frequently have had a boyfriend and a girlfriend at the same time. Um, but it it does feel different here when we have these events we have things being talked about people will share links to things that are relevant and they'll be received and talked about um rather than just silence and i I think it's also good to see uh you know uh, like we have teams channels to do with um the lgbtq um diversity program and seeing people posting ideas and stuff for how we can kind of communicate new ideas and new um things like you know i think there's someone posted recently about how uh, putting pronouns in our like mailing lists and stuff like that which i think is all all really really great for giving this cult i think that's the so people kept talking about cult a kind of culture of development and i think that's a really good thing to promote so what what about um how do you feel about people who um, want to be more educated on various topics or current issues like do you do you prefer it when people ask you about them or would you much prefer that people go away and they did their own research like how how does that make you feel when maybe your colleagues uh, want to learn more about um, the LGBTQ plus so I'm always happy to answer questions I quite like talking to people about stuff and they can often relate more to a human face explaining their experience yes, definitely. and their knowledge than they can to an article online yeah, where yeah. they don't have that human interaction. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of, it's good to do both. Mm-hmm. It's good to go away and do research. And then if you're confused or you found things that conflict, have that conversation with somebody. I think that's a really good way to do it. Yeah, I'm kind of the same. I'm open to, to questions, but, you know, don't, I think, like, to non, non-queer people, like, don't assume that's the case because a lot of people yeah. don't yeah. like talking about <laughs> <Yeah>. things. Uh, <laughs> especially yeah. that there are sometimes questions that are quite private and people really yes. do not like to hear those questions. So, you know, always always check if it's yeah, okay to room. ask first, read the room, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, I'm definitely. happy to, like, take that on me, uh, you know, regardless of how silly or, uh, you know, weird question might be, I would, I would try to, you know, I don't mind that. But yeah, for a lot of people, they're not that comfortable with it. So yeah, kind of, you know, read, read the room. Research is good. Like Google stuff. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> if there's like, if there's only sort of one person who you could ask this stuff in a, in a space, then it's also possible that they've been asked just constantly and don't really want to be representing an entire community on their own all the time um and also as blaze says yeah there's a difference between asking sort of general questions about a community or an aspect of it than asking sort of really personal questions about that individual yeah 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 that's a really good point as well though like how um you know, you're you're one person. So when there's not really that representation where people aren't overly comfortable being who they are at work, like there's a danger that, you know, one person can become the spokesperson. And that's that's not, I guess, the, the right way to, 
I, that's that's not the right way to progress, I guess. It, it should be more that people are learning in their own way and also being themselves in their own way. Quite happy to take questions from people, just that people don't tend to ask the questions. I think there's a danger in suggesting to people to do the research in that most people aren't interested enough if you can't give them at least something to lead them on with. It's a lot like making games, to be fair. <laughs> to intrigue them enough to do a little bit of research around what they're asking. Uh, and some, just answering some of the general questions and being happy to talk about it. And just being happy to say, I don't have time now. I will get back to you. Or um, that's a little bit personal. I'd rather not answer that. I mean, it's it's okay to talk about these things. Um, for those of the, you that are listening, we will put some credible resources um, in the description of the podcast if you want to educate yourselves. Um, okay, let's talk about representation within video games. So there was there's a little game that came out recently um, <laughs> that, that, that people are, are harping on about, which is great. I still haven't played it yet. I know Laura has, so no spoilers, please. But why, I mean, this sounds like a silly question, but why is LGBTQ plus representation important to have in video games? We would like to see more uh, representation in games because it'll help us enjoy them more. I mean, we, we fall into this trap when we're making games um, of, of playing the statistics, looking at what the most popular sort of game is, so uh, we, we do some research and we find that 70% of gamers like the colour green, so we make a green game. We don't look at how to make the other 30% also come to the game so much. Um, we, we need to look more at how to pull people in and how to keep them interested. I mean, making an actual LGBT game would be great. Um, but there's very few of those that are AAA titles. Giving people LGBTQ uh, choices in games, that's easier. Uh, that is something that we should push a lot more of, especially in any kind of RPG, uh, if, if sandbox games. If your player has a choice, the player should be able to choose what they want. They, sh they shouldn't be restricted by rules. I mean, I think you brought up the... Last of Us 2. I mean, I assume you were talking about Last of Us 2. <laughs> I was, yeah. I realised. I don't, I don't think I actually said it, did I? When I was like, I know Laura's played it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've kind of been... I've, I've Since finishing it, I've kind of... I, again, no, I won't do any spoilers, but since I've been since I've finished it, I've kind of ummed and ahed about the representation in the game. Um, I do think I've kind of rested now on, like... I think when we, when we were talking about it before... Um, there was kind of some talk about how the representation that they did is kind of like the, I think um, it, Robin said something about how it was like the softest form of representation, which I mean, I, I think is interesting, but I think I've rested now on the fact that all representation is good representation. Uh, not, sorry, not that it, not all representation is good representation, but all representation is, is valid res representation in the fact that we're still going somewhere with it. Like we're not going backwards by having a lesbian couple as you know the main protagonist of a game. And I think, um, I think that what you were saying, Mike, about um, having it in AAA games, um, I think 
it's important because it, it's it's even if there is backlash, like again, no spoilers, but the way that it does represent their relationship, I think that's an incredibly important for things to see because I've seen I I've seen some gamers online like sharing stories about how it kind of maybe changed their perception of things and i think seeing someone really like in love like that i think it it's it's really important to see i think it's important to i mean i hate the word normal but i think it's important to like kind of normalize that in gaming because i think it's been so absent for so long um so i was going to say that representation is important for a few reasons one is just to make sure that you know it's seen by wider society and it is brought into focus as yes these people are here they're everywhere it's normal to have them in games as well but also for um, particularly young people or people who are trying to work out their own feelings it's so important to have somebody to look at and go oh they're like me it's really, really important for for their mental health, if nothing else, for learning about themselves. And having a really, really diverse representation is so important for that. There's also a very important, I think, cultural point, especially for games that are very West-centric, very white male West-centric. You know, there is so many cultures that games do not explore there's so much potential that they didn't reach. You know, we see that a lot with, you know, uh, black communities that are different. And we see how they celebrate things like Black Panther because they see their culture represented on a big screen in a very good way for like a first time, right? Just the pure joy of, of, of that. And like how many different possibilities you have for, for narrative, for storytelling, for visual art style, if you reach to, to the culture without appropriating them by, you know, letting people from those cultures talk about, about their cultures. It's very, very important. And, you know, queer people around the world have their, those micro cultures within the bigger cultures that are, that are different, that there, there are different, different visuals, that there are different forms of expression within those microcultures. We see that, you know, we see that in a, in the TV, especially now, like how this all blew up in, in a decade. You know, RuPaul Drag Race is now like of the, the major shows. And that like is so vastly different from shows that maybe that would be done before just because they tapped into different cultural potential, you know. So yeah, there's, there's very big things for exploration there, really. You're absolutely right. The number of different stories that are available in in other cultures is un- unbelievable. And games are entertainment. We we've fallen into this trap of having the same stories told to us in slightly different ways. And in many cases, the same stories over and over. I mean, the number of times that we've remade eighties and nineties films in almost exactly the same way, just because we don't dare step away from um, what what we exactly know. <laughs> Yeah, I, we absolutely need to get more uh, representation into games. It's not only about like what you do in the games, and but it's also like how you do it, who's there, what's happening. You know, there's so many different things that yeah, it's just we need to do still. I think it, there's also a part of it as well as uh, I think in the past uh, a lot of. Um, diverse characters tend to <laughs> the representation that's in there particularly stuff with like the last of us 2 it kind of falls 
I, I, I love what they did, but I, it does, there's always kind of a, a tendency for characters to fall into like tragic stories. And I think going forward, it would be really good to really show people that, you know, you're saying like a kid can, particularly for their mental health, like seeing them represented on screen. Like I, I would love to see more instances where people are represented in a really positive way and they get to they get to live the happy endings that you know protagonists do and stuff like that like i think um i think that's really important as well tragic side is is an awful thing and to be honest i'd, I'd love it if the game gamer uh, magazine actually had a section at the end which said does the gay die yeah <laughs> <laughs> because that's it from on right on, on, on like, yeah, don't don't fridge your gays. Yeah, don't kill your gays. Don't don't punish them for having you know same sex sex. Please uh, don't don't just. I w- I wonder why that is. Like I wonder whether it's because like because in a way like a tragic storyline gives you that emotional kind of catharsis. Like you you know you really feel for the characters. But it's it's interesting that it mm. is it has become a trope. Like you know. I think, as you mentioned, we we do need to move away from that and and give these characters like a, a good ending, like a positive ending, rather than just relying on making the audience or the player feel for them when mm. something awful happens. I think to them. I think just in general that the history of LGBTQ people has been kind of marred in in tragedy. So I think it's it. I think developers and writers and stuff tend to it kind of fits their internal storyline of kind of that like yeah i think it kind of fits to them so maybe it, they're kind of more naturally drawn to giving them that kind of storyline but it'd be it'd be great to see them break the break out of that box i think the other thing that makes it really notable is that it's often the one right the one couple the only representation if it was more common in the media itself then it wouldn't be like you've just killed the only representation and it would be no, this is that character storyline, which would be more reasonable feeling. And I think um, yeah, yeah. one of the things I'm really hoping to see is moving on from the token representation, which is has been really useful. It's really good to have that, but it'd be really nice to move on and develop from there now to having a full diverse cast um, with complex characters that aren't just one thing. There could be several things and are, you know, a fully developed character, multiple fully developed characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then you can have multiple characters talking to each other. Use this. Yeah. Use that. <laughs> you know, that's new. Let's do it. Oh, yeah, isn't that... That's called something, isn't it? Like, does it... I know it's specifically for if two women talk to each other multiple times. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is there a specific one for LGBT people or... No, but I think you you can you can add you know it's it's a simple test, but if your game is failing that you, you fail <laughs> at basics really, uh, you know. So yeah, you can you can adjust it. Yeah, multiple multiple gay people are talking to each other in the game and not dying at the same time. Yeah, that's, that's good. <laughs> and, another identity too, you know. Don't go for mainstream of making your character gay and lesbian. You know, make bi curious character, make tra- make yeah. trans characters, non binary characters. There's so many different identities. You know, gender flux characters go for any anyone who maybe you didn't hear about like some identity even in the first place i i would love to just once not have a love triangle 
be a love triangle. Yes. Some polyamorous representation would be amazing. There's so yeah. many things where the entire plot line is just, there's a love triangle. <sighs> mm, exactly. So what again? One of the I feel like we're we're talking about Robin Gray quite a lot, but he said a lot of really interesting points on the panel. He mentioned how the last twelve months have been incredibly transformative for the games industry in terms of um, the the games that have been released and representation within that. Um, but so I guess for you as actual game developers, what can you do on a day to day basis, perhaps in your individual roles, to encourage more diversity and representation so um i think all of you are kind of working within slightly different departments and areas um but are there individual things that you can do that you kind of put into your work or you talk to your colleagues about as you're as you're going about making games Uh, i mean i think one of the the most important things to do is just listen to people um particularly i mean i'm in a i'm in a senior role now and um you know, I have a lot of a lot of people on on my design team. I think it's just worth always uh, validating what people like. I don't think you kind of again bringing up the idea of a culture, but I think as a senior or a lead, you kind of need to promote this culture of letting people talk and being like validating what they're saying to you and not being afraid to, you know, make points about diversity and inclusivity inclusive inclusivity yeah yeah absolutely having a diverse set of employees working on something is a natural way to get a more diverse product out of it because you get more of those different points of view there's different experiences coming into the development so i think i've definitely in the past looked at a cast of characters in a game not not here at a previous place and gone why why are none of them female (laughs) these are robots why are they all gendered (laughs) jesus (laughs) yeah and also like if you if you you know if you studio culture this is right like it's so much easier you know like the, the project we currently working on is in a very it's like male exclusive space in 70s you know, but that doesn't mean you cannot make commentary. That doesn't mean you cannot consider, well, but are they all straight? You know, what could happen if not? Is there some interesting story to say about it? You know, could females somehow get into that space in 70s? Maybe, maybe, like what, what could happen? And we have those discussions and, you know, it's great because I'm not the only open person in the studio, right? So I can have another designer who is also LGBT, and we can t- discuss that between us, you know, just to say, oh, look, if that's, that story actually sounds right, is, is, is that, you know, what, what could happen, you know? So, yeah. And for, for like leads and, and studio management to like open, be open to like have those discussions and those propositions come, you know, that's also super important. I'm pretty sure women existed in the 70s. <laughs> 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 yeah yeah so but you know it's the question to ask like if you can somehow maybe comment on that in a in a sensible way yeah i think for that sort of thing when you're looking at historical situations it is you need to weigh up the pros and cons of do we keep 100 percent historically accurate or do we make an excuse to make it not quite there's always going to be someone who's a rebel and 
wants to break the boundaries, right? And that's that's something that you can bring into a storyline when you have control of what that story is. And I think that's something that's good to keep in mind. The last question on the representation with an actual games subtopic is what are some of the challenges um, that you might face when trying to push for greater representation? The reason I'm hesitant here is because what we have been discussing is kind of culture and how that's important. And I don't think there's kind of an easy answer to, you know, how do you push back against it? Yeah, I do think, I I think it's, it's interesting because some, I think some studios kind of have a, have a kind of queerness in their, in their DNA almost in that, like some studios say like, uh, the, the company, Oh, can anyone remind me who made life is strange? Uh, don't know. Yes, um, I think when I mean particularly their next game as well, which you know has a male trans lead. Um, I think, I think it's it's as you said, Mike. It's really interesting to for a studio who who has it is kind of comparing that to a, a game that fundamentally wants to make queer games. To I, I think it's weird sometimes that uh, if you tend to push for a game i think a lot of not necessarily internally but i do think um externally from fans it's kind of almost seems as a bit of change of direction almost like in a pushing an agenda i, d- I hate the word ad- pushing an agenda but that kind of like it seems like a tonal shift from the rest of the games it almost seems very it seems like a separate game almost to and i think you need to kind of break that down like that kind of um division between um, subjects. I, I think what you're trying to say is it's difficult to change the direction of a franchise. Not not necessarily a franchise, but um, even just a, a, a company as well. I think some companies tend to find it easier because they already have that large audience of queer people that want to play and purchase and you know enjoy their games. Yeah, which coming to the to the challenge of making the positive deep representation and not shallow and stereotypical yeah and there's so many floating ideas around like you know people in lgbtq plus community are so diverse there are so many different uh you know identities conflating sometimes ideas so much like internal dialogue uh, and debate about things right so you need to think like what each story is saying you need to be very careful with like representing it in a truthful way that you know will not actually be offensive for some reason that you could not think about, right? Because you tapped into some trope or or stereotype or some you know painful history in it by accident. Well, that yeah, that's that's why it's important to get away from you know you were saying about kind of tokenism on teams. Like it's yeah, exactly. good to have multiple perspectives of of these you know all these different. Um, people giving design the ability to talk to uh representatives in each of the studios will help with that even if they're just kind of sanity checking some of these things yeah i guess we had you know from out making games or you you know tap externally if you represent someone there are orgs that would even play test you know stress test what you're doing present the ideas to them they will immediately give you the feedback i think just uh going back to sort of a situation where you've got a publisher or something that doesn't really want to take a big risk being uh, very definite about their representation. There's been techniques used for quite a while 
um, to sort of subtly register that, yeah, this character is this. We see you, we hear you, which is queer coding. It's not the best form of representation, but if that's all you can possibly manage, it's still worth doing. What's it, can you explain that, sorry? Um, so queer coding is when you would display sort of certain traits on the character that would be recognized by the community they're aiming to represent. Okay. So they're kind of, they're kind of canonically that, but it's not outright stated in the yeah. game. Yeah, right. like Disney, Disney villains are kind of canonically a lot of them <laughs> are queer coded, you know, if you look at right. that. So yeah. Yeah, not, not best to do it to all the villains and only the villains, but <laughs> yes, exactly. nonetheless. The <laughs> um, so the things um, like having an undercut in the hair, for example, is uh, one that's seen fairly frequently. Um, similar with a character going from very long hair to very short hair um, is another way that that's done sometimes. I'm not going to list too many in case I get in trouble. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but particular mannerism often, like if you have a gay man, they're usually quite, you know, quite stereotypically gay. Like, you know, like, like creators want to say, oh, this person is gay. And you know, because you looked at them and you know. Uh, and it's like you're tapping into like very stereotypical territory of how gay men look, which is true for some, but not for others. You know, you already presented a point here why you did this. You know, you, you can let them say about it. And I think I, I think in a way, like it's as I said, when I was talking about it earlier, where I was, like, I was kind of umming and ahhing about the representation. But that's the that's the kind of game you, because it was undeniable that so many people were going to play it. I mean, it was the sequel to one of the most successful games of all time, but I think it's it's good that they made the decision. I mean, obviously, Ellie was uh, a gay character even before The Last of Us 2 came out, but um, getting that form of representation and making that decision so early on and, and putting it in front of so many... They knew so many people were going to be put in front of it. I think that's really good like a really good development because it, it exposes people to to sh show that it that it is this like it's just a again hate the word normal but a normal <laughs> a normal thing normal is a perfectly good word because that's the ideal <laughs> yeah I, well i suppose yeah no okay i take you yeah as, as opposed to abnormal i would say yeah normal is a, a pretty I good way to normalize i'm not normal <laughs> yeah. okay normalize <laughs> Is there, is there anything that, yeah, that anyone wants to mention? Um, maybe something we haven't discussed that's at the forefront of your mind? Does anybody have any recommendations or? for, like, LGBTQ games? Or does, anybody, does anybody want to talk about anything that they've played? I played Sayonara Wild Hearts, and I think it's a great game that is not having, you know, uh, identities represented as much as a style. And I think creators probably like from what I've read a bit unconsciously tapped into like some some form of queer aesthetics and I think you know it's really interesting to play because you really feel that coming through uh, so yeah that's one of the interesting things that doesn't you know that not operate over narrative and this still could be re read in this way so yeah uh, something I mentioned earlier as well steam uh, pushing a good list of uh, LGBT games with some good subcategories. 
Uh, so that's uh, another kind of resource we could potentially pull on at the moment. Mm. Uh, the LGBT tag is, is on Steam always. And yeah, and we listed some games on Dojo. So go to Dojo, check their list. They are, they are there. Comment if you have something more, you know, let's have that, you know, growing over time, hopefully, of, you know, examples of representation positive, hopefully. Did, <laughs> did anyone ever play a game called Wonder Song? Yes. Oh my God, it's so great. Play Wonder Song. Exactly. Yeah, everyone play Wonder Song. It's such a, as we know, we were talking about how kind of having the the tragedy of the the kind of the character, but I, it's such a a loving, such a you can I think you can feel the like inclusive inclusivity from the developers. Yeah. Such an amazing as far as the binary, yes, you know more than the binary character, <laughs> please. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very very good. I'd recommend it. Thanks everyone for listening, and thank you, Mike, Blaze, Pira, and Mark for joining us today. It's been awesome to chat to you. We're hiring across all of our studios, so if you want to check out our vacancies, head to sumo-digital.com forward slash careers, and also check out our social media pages too. We post our latest jobs on there as well. Thanks again. Bye.